episode two of As Men Think. I'm your host, James. And I'm Andy. And we're here also with our sound guy, our tech guy, making sure that everything runs smooth, can look things up for us. Jerem, thanks for uh, coming down, both of you guys, and spending your afternoon going over a book and maybe getting some thoughts out of some things. So the book that we're kind of going over and, and a little bit of the theme is also the podcast, why we named it what we named. So we named it As Men Thinketh, but it kind of was a, a play on words from the book, As a Man Thinketh. I'm named after the writer of that book, James Allen. He wrote this book in 1901, I believe. And uh, it's what my dad was reading when I was in my mama's belly. He was trying to figure out what to name me. So (laughs) that's where we're at, and we're going to dive right into this. The aphorism, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, not only embraces the whole of a man's being, but is so comprehensive as to reach out to every condition and circumstance of his life. A man is literally what he thinks his character being the complete sum of all his thoughts. That man is a master of thought, the molder of character, and the shaper of condition, environment, and destiny. Yeah, no, I, I've thought a little bit about that, the ability to think, and that is who you are. It's so simple. It's like, whatever I want to do, I can do just by thinking, which consequently, I mean, we'll get into it, but that's, that turns into action. It's that little seed, that thought, that thought, that dream almost of, uh, of helping you put in, put yourself into a place where you can begin to change who you are. But first, it, it almost comes from like a like a want, like a desire to say, oh, I want to change. And then a radical thought process of just being like, no, I'm going to change no matter what. These are my thoughts. And and an understanding that it's you're the shaper of your own destiny. It's something like that. I mean, this book is incredible for I've only got a few little pieces highlighted. Um, I felt like just dipping the whole book into paint. <laughs> Because everything I read popped out and it was like, man, that's so good. Man, that's so good. I should remember this. I should remember that. And so if you if you have the chance, well, everybody has the chance because everybody's got access to Amazon or a bookstore, buy it. It was seven bucks. It was here same day. And all we're all we're gonna be reading is just touching upon just little bits here and there, just to get our mind flowing and then maybe offering something that a value to somebody. I think, I think one of the, the things I love the most about that idea is that it gives, it gives you the power to change your life. It's pretty discouraging when you feel like you just can't do anything because of outside circumstances or you're, you don't, you're not rich, you're not this, you're not that. But to know inside that you have the power to do whatever you want and to change your life. It's, uh, it, yeah, that's the most important thing I think he's trying to put across. And with that statement, I think we should dive right into this other part. 
This man is buffeted by circumstances, so long as he believes himself to be a creature of outside conditions. But when he realizes that he is a creative power, and that he may command the hidden soil and seeds of his being out of which circumstances grow, then he becomes the rightful master of himself. And that's that whole principle, ownership, taking ownership of your life. Things are coming down. Things are happening. Well, I'm not making enough money. Why? It's your fault. My marriage is falling apart. Why? It's your fault. My kids won't talk to me. Why? It's your fault. Everything and and all that really he's even saying is is this is where it starts. It starts with as a man think your thoughts. That's where it's starting. And and really it's impossible to do anything unless you've started. Even something as simple like this little podcast. The scariest part was really starting. And and it's like, yeah, but you gotta get it started and it's gonna be terrible. You know, you do a podcast and it doesn't turn out how you want it to turn out, but you keep going, you keep going because, well, it's your life and you're the owner of it. You know, you want to make more money. Cool. Go make more money. Change your thought pattern, change your thought process. You want to have an amazing relationship with your spouse. Start changing your thoughts about who you are, what you're capable of and who they are. And maybe something good can grow out of that. It's got, it's got to be something like, like that. And I believe it, it, well, I believe it is that in our lives, things happen, right? Circumstances around us. Um, let's say your business is failing. I mean, even like, even like, you know, your marriage is failing. Your relationship with your kids are failing. Your health is failing. Maybe you don't have a, maybe you don't have a purpose or that's failing, and in here it says, circumstance does not make the man, it reveals him to himself. And it's like, oh, okay. So you're telling me if I'm broke, it's like, good. That's that Jocko, good. It's telling you who you are. It's telling you, hey, you've got a few things to change. Something's falling apart. Your life's falling apart. Good. It's, it's, <laughs> it's literally just telling you, hey, this is who you are. You want to change that? Because this is where you are right now. Your outside circumstances are a direct reflection of what's going on in your heart and mind. How are you going to change it? You're going to start thinking something different? You're going to start making different choices, different actions? Yeah. One little example is recently just losing a bit of weight. Just the thought of being, man, I'm going to end up fat and old and I won't be able to do anything. Well, it was not really that big of a motivator for a long time until it finally became one. You know, I was like, man, I'm so overweight. I was like, well, it's just, I can't go off bread. It's going to be too hard. That's literally what I eat every day. <laughs> um, luck. And then I did. I went off bread and sugar and holy cow, did it change. I mean, just started dropping weight so fast. I couldn't even believe it. And uh, it was super easy. And it might have just been the motivation, like, oh, I'm losing weight. Let's keep doing it. But it was way easier than I thought. I mean, I've kind of slacked back into it a little bit, but I've been watching my weight a little bit, and I'm staying about the same. But it's just crazy how that one little thing, will it can 
something I only dreamed of losing 30 pounds. It's like, there's no way I could lose 30 pounds. And in six months or less, I lost 30 pounds. It's almost like an object in motion stays in motion. And to get that object rolling is almost the hardest part. I mean, we'll get to that actually later in the book where he talks a little bit more about that idea. But, I mean, even just going along with that circumstance doesn't make the man. You know, men do not attract what they want, but which that they are. It's like, what's the core of who you are? And if anybody just says, I don't know, it's like, well, how's your circumstances? How's your life going? Because that's what it is. Oh, like, maybe you're a young man and you can't find a wife. Why? Ask that question. You should. You know, nobody will stick with me. Why? For whatever reason that, I mean, you know. That's the thing is, like, you know. Yeah, you've got to be quite honest with yourself. And that's a hard thing to do. It's really hard to to admit to yourself that you're kind of a piece of crap. You're like, look, I'm doing this, this stupid thing. Why? Yeah. Why won't somebody, why won't anybody want to be with me? You really got to look deep and be honest. Yeah. But the alternative is so much worse. It's like, I, I don't want to tell the truth to me about me. Because then you have to change it. If yeah, but if you have integrity or anything like that. Yeah, but in 10 years you're going to be the same person, you're going to have to change it then anyways. So why not just take an honest hard look at yourself? Why not tell the truth now and start asking those questions? And I don't mean destroying yourself down and calling yourself a piece of shit probably isn't the truth. So just this idea of being humble And it's like, oh, I'm humble. I'm going to say how bad of a human being I am. That's not true. That's part of your ego. Telling yourself how terrible you are. Maybe you've got some things to fix. But you can fix it. You can do better. It doesn't make you less than dirt. Maybe all you need to do is just change a little bit. And things will start changing around you. Congratulations. You're starting to do it. Doesn't make you worthless. And and oftentimes you, you hear people and they, they talk about the humility. Oh, I'm humble. I'm a piece of shit. No, you're not. And that's not humility. Humility is simply accepting the truth and whatever that the whole truth is. Even Christ, he says, I am the way, the light, and nobody comes unto the Father. Unless it is by me. I might have butchered that, but I think I got it. He's just telling the truth. That doesn't make him an arrogant man. There's two sides of that arrogant coin. There's the, there's the side that says, hey, I'm awesome when you're not. And then there's a side that says, I'm a piece of shit when I'm not. I feel like it's the same thing. It's your arrogance. It's your ego. It's like, let it go. Start telling the truth. If you can start telling the truth, your life will change. Probably the biggest thing I like about this book whenever I read it is the ownership side of it. Nobody, any, nothing anybody else is doing 
is changing my life. It's my reactions. It's my thoughts. It's the way, it's whatever I'm doing. That's why I'm at where I'm at. And go be honest with that. If your marriage is failing, cool, it's you. How are you going to change it? What are your thoughts? You know, what are you thinking about? You don't do anything unless you first thought about it, good or bad. I do think uh, early on in my life I was exposed to like Jocko and, and Jordan Peterson and these guys that help change your mindset in this way where you take responsibility for your life. And it's been really good uh, for me. And I think a lot of young men or some, even some people I know struggle with that idea and realizing that it is, it's your, you have the power to do it, to change your life. You you're in charge. And I think it'd be really good for, for people to understand that. I don't know if anyone would be listening that needed to know that, but that's the truth. And it's, it's freeing. But so even, even, so this chapter, he kind of is focusing more on wealth and, and circumstances by circumstances. What he means is wealth, like your house, your, your food, your clothing, what's going on around you. But even that, I mean, how many people do you talk to? It says men are anxious to improve their circumstances, but are unwilling to improve themselves. How many people do you talk to? And that's what they want. They want the bling bling. They want the, the nice house, the nice cars. They want a million bucks in the bank. And, and then you tell them, well, how much are you saving? Or are you putting money into investments? Maybe it's not even, maybe it's not even putting money in investments. Are you just doing the bare minimum at your job? Yeah. Are you improving yourself? Well, no. Why not? You must really actually not want an upgrade in life. If you're not willing to strengthen that pillar, go create something special. Go do something that's awesome. Instead, it's that sounds too hard. I got to get up earlier. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Sleep's more important. Sleep's more important than all my circumstances. But he talks about in in here, he he gives three different uh, illustrations of different people, you know, one man that's wretchedly poor, um, but all the time he shirks his work and considers that he is justified in trying to deceive his employer on the grounds of insufficiency in wages. He's stealing from him, and he's shirking his work. He's not taking responsibility on his shoulders. Another man is a rich man, but because he's rich, he eats, and he eats rich food. He eats Way more than he should. He ends up being fat. His organs aren't working right. His joints aren't working right. His brain's not working right. His body is failing. Yet, how much is he spending on, well, I'm going to spend a bunch of money on maybe hiring a personal trainer or whatever, all these things, but he doesn't change himself. It's just, I have money. I'll throw money at this problem because I'm hurting, but I'm not willing to change who I am. Or my lifestyle. You know, another one, a boss. And he's adopting crooked measures to make sure that he doesn't have to pay people people properly. Doesn't pay them overtime. Maybe he doesn't give them a facility 
that even is worth working in. He's figuring out how to get as much out of his employees as possible while returning the bare minimum, even going into the illegal aspect of things where you know he won't pay people enough, he reduces the wages, maybe he's cutting corners, whatever. Says he finds himself bankrupt at some point in his life. In regards to his reputation and riches, and he blames circumstances. Oh, the market crashed. Maybe it was you. Maybe. Says, I've introduced these three cases as merely an illustration of the truth that a man is the causer, though nearly always is unconsciously, of his circumstances. And that whilst aiming at a good end, he is continually frustrating its accomplishment by encouraging thoughts and desires which cannot possibly harmonize with that end. His goal in mind, but you won't do anything that is supposed to be done to match up with that goal. It's, I want to lose a bunch of weight, like you. You know, you're saying earlier, I want to lose some weight. And the entire time you're still sneaking, sneaking them white, those white slices of bread the good ones that stick to the top of the roof of your mouth. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, it's the other things too. It's the little pieces of chocolate, the little, the little drinks. You know, you swing by Bama Whamas and get a little morsel. You're fat. Yeah. And it feels good in the moment. Well, I mean, this is more, this whole, this whole podcast is more for me and what I'm getting out of it than I'm feeling for other people. Like it's an education that is causing me to think through the week, okay, what am I going to study? You know, what am I going to talk about? How am I going to phrase it? And you start to put things into your mind that are worth putting into your mind. It's like I've read this book, listened to it twice, read this book all the way through, highlighting sections that pop out to me. Yeah, I mean... I'm grateful for anybody that gets even a slight nugget that they go, hey, I liked that. But really, it's kind of selfish, kind of all for me. Yeah, I wanted to say that uh, I have no moral authority (laughs) to tell anyone what to do because a lot of these examples, I'm part of that problem, you know. There was that one first example, I think, that you read, but... I felt like that was me. And you have tendencies to be that. Like I would have tendencies to be that guy that would, that spends his money on this lavish food and complain about being, still being fat and being, you know, not getting anywhere. It is pleasing to human vanity to believe that one suffers because of one's virtue but not until a man has removed every stickly, bitter, and impure thought from his mind and washed every sinful stain from his soul can he be in a position to know and declare that his sufferings are a result of his good and not his bad qualities. It's like how many people here, oh, I'm, you know, we hear this growing up in uh, the society that we grew up in. You know, I'm getting persecuted because of this way that I live. Sometimes it was kind of true. Maybe. But sometimes it's also like, yeah, it's also because you're kind of a dick. 
sometimes. And it's like, hey, maybe you should figure out. I mean, bad things happen to good people. We get that. But sometimes bad things happen to good people because they make bad choices. And they end up with the result of that choice. And it's terrible to think that. It, it hurts to say that. But it is true. Back to the book. Good thoughts and actions can never produce bad results. Bad thoughts and actions can never produce good results. This is but saying that nothing can come from corn but corn, nothing from nettles but nettles. Men understand this law in the natural world and work with it, but few understand it in the mental and moral world. Though it's exactly the same. What are you putting out there? What are you putting in? You know, if it it's just so simple because you understand it. Even just saying that, it's like, oh yeah, I understand that a hundred percent. I'm not where I want to be. Let's just take something physically. It dives into a strength part of this. I'm not where I want to be. But I'm not doing anything that I know I should be doing. And then I'm mad because I'm not where I need to be. Maybe that's that point of being honest with yourself and saying, well, yeah, I've been eating fat boys every night. I I love me some fat boys. (laughs) But I look in the mirror and I got me a nice gut. Why do I got me a gut? It's like, oh, maybe it's because I like them damn fat boys. (laughs) (laughs) I came back two days ago. And you know, James is on this, this journey and I come back late from work, you know, I'm thinking about them fat boys all day because I I saw a full one this morning, full box of fat boys. So I get home, open up that freezer and they're gone. I don't know where he took them. I got rid of them. (laughs) Got rid of them. You didn't even eat them. I gave them to the boys. I was going to say, are they the ones that showed up in my freezer? <laughs> I, I was I a little them. scared. I got, I got to tell people that don't know because fat boys are from Utah. It's an ice cream sandwich. That's what we should have named this podcast. Fat boys? Yeah. That would have been a good one. <laughs> Back to the book. Law, not confusion, is the dominating principle in the universe. Justice, not injustice is the soul and substance of life. And righteousness, not corruption, is the molding and moving force in the spiritual government of the world. This being so, man has but to right himself to find that the universe is right. And during the process of putting himself right, he will find that he alters his thoughts towards things and other people. Things and other people will alter towards him. This is that that idea of of the victimhood mentality, right? Oh, things are happening to me. People are, you know, sometimes things kind of happen. What's your choice to, to deal with them, right? Oh, I, I can't get this because this person did this to me or this person stole from me or I don't, I don't even know what it is. I mean, you hear it so much. You hear people that are just caught in this perpetual victimhood mentality and they cannot pull themselves out of it. They can't seem to 
upgrade their life because it constantly is going back to somebody did something to me at some time. But they won't, they won't even work through it in their own mind. Maybe take a little bit of responsibility for it. Again, bad things happen to people. How are you going to react to it? We know people that were caught up in cults. And their idea is, I was caught in this and it destroyed my credit and I gave a ton of money away and maybe even gave some of their kids away to you know marry certain people. And, and you're caught up in this thing. You're born into this thing. And yet they won't take the responsibility in their own mind and say, a cult leader is only a cult leader because I'm the slave that he's a cult. I'm, I'm the follower. So where's my responsibility? I'm, I'm a slave to this guy. Is there a little bit of responsibility that should be placed on my shoulders? Because he wouldn't be a cult leader if I wasn't following him in this cult. It's that whole idea of responsibility back on your own shoulders. Yeah, and there's a clear difference between that we've seen. We've seen people that have taken that kind of responsibility, like, hey, it is my life, and I will do, like, yeah, I, I've had some tough stuff to deal with. But it is, it's very, it's a stark difference between those that don't take the responsibility and those that have. And it's actually pretty empowering for me to see to know that somebody's had way harder life than me, and yet they've chosen to be good and do good. And you see how fast they can change their circumstance just by changing their thoughts, changing their actions, changing what they're doing every day to day. We know people that have come out of these circumstances with hundreds of, of thousands of dollars in debt. And yet in a few short years, they're back up on top of their feet, their credit's restored, everything's paid off, they took the responsibility and they placed it directly upon their shoulders to get their life figured out. And of course it's going to be empowering. Because as that victimhood, you're taking that responsibility to change your life away from somebody else and putting it back into your hands. where it should belong in the first place. Yeah, you're going to feel some freedom. Yeah, I am the problem. I'm going to figure it out. A man cannot directly choose his circumstances, but he can choose his thoughts. And so indirectly, yet surely, shape his circumstances. Bad things happen to good people. But you can shape it. You can change it. We, you know, there's a, maybe somebody's got to go into a surgery that uh, maybe an organ's failing. I've watched it. There's uh, this lady that I follow. She goes in for a blown appendix. It's ruptured. Two weeks later, she's back working out. Something bad happened to her. She adjusted. She moved forward. She got the surgery. She got healed from the surgery as best as she could. And then she's back moving into 
real life and saying, this doesn't define me. This, this little circumstance that happened to me doesn't define me. Maybe it revealed that my organ was weak. Maybe I need to strengthen a few things. But we're going to adjust. We're going to move forward. We're going to adjust in this, and we're going to head, start heading back down the path that I need to head down. If you look in your bank account and it's empty, it's not your boss's fault. It's not your wife's fault. It's not your husband's fault. It's not your kid's fault. You hear that? Oh, kids are so expensive. It's not their fault. It's yours. If you miss a rent payment, that's your fault. If you miss a house payment, that's your fault. If you miss a credit card payment, that's your fault. Go down the line. It doesn't matter. It's your fault. Start changing what's up here in your mind. Start saying, how can I figure this out? How can I change it? How can I increase? How can I add value? Maybe you don't have a money. Maybe you're living too much of a lavish lavish lifestyle for the income that you're bringing in. Maybe you need to adjust for a few years. Maybe you need to figure out how to add value to a marketplace that can then give you reward for that. Then you could increase your lavish lifestyle. Congratulations, you can do it. If you're not where you're at at any point in your life, it's your fault. You can be moving forward, but I find I'm the happiest when I'm on that path forward. I'm the happiest when I have jobs structured out, when I've got things to do, when I wake up in the morning and I have my life prepared out that it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to be doing this from this time, this to this time, and I've got things taken care of because I'm walking a path that I know I should be walking. When you have some order in your life? Yeah, when you got a little order in your life. But no, that, that makes me the happiest. But no, taking that personal responsibility on your shoulders and just saying, this is why. Go through your bank statement, figure out why you don't have money in your accounts, take some ownership for it, and then go increase what you're doing. Go do better at your job. Go become more valuable. Go figure out how to integrate yourself in there so firmly that they couldn't begin to think about running without you. That's one way that gives you, that gives you leverage from a a position of power. If you need a, if you need a raise, if you, if you want to increase your, your, uh, yearly salary, cool. You don't want to do that anymore. Maybe you want to start a business. Maybe you want to start a side hustle, figure out something that adds value. Good starts with a thought and relentlessly pursue it. And you could be in a better place in just a few short years. And the alternative is to do nothing, be miserable, be depressed, and be a liability to everyone around you and society. That's your alternative. What do you want? Seems pretty simple to me. Yeah. Moving on from the section of circumstances to 
effect and thought on health and body. We talked about a little bit earlier, losing weight, maybe gaining some strength. The body is the servant of the mind. It obeys the operations of the mind, whether they be deliberately chosen or automatically expressed. At the bidding of unlawful thoughts, the body sinks rapidly into disease and decay. And at the command of glad and beautiful thoughts, it becomes clothed in youthfulness and beauty. I know this. Like, I experience this a fair amount. Go to a CrossFit gym. You try to go fairly often. You're looking at this. Most of the time it happens when you're right in the middle of a workout. I did it this morning. I'm three minutes into this workout that's only supposed to take five minutes. And everything is falling apart. I'm going, I can't, like, my heart rate's probably at 170. I'm sweating. My legs are failing. I'm like, dude, I, I got three more rounds. I don't know how I can do this. Like, I don't know how I can hold on. And there comes a switch in your mind where you just go, pick it up. And the body picks it up. It's like, it's got a reserve in there. It's got plenty in there. David Goggins says that when you are at your absolute max, you can't move another foot. You are... You feel like you're knocking on death's door. You're at 40% of what your body can do. You're not even halfway. But we let that, we let our mind trick us. Well, I can't do that. Can't do that. Can't. Oh, that's too much. Back to the book. The people who live in fear of disease are the people who get it. Anxiety quickly demoralizes the whole body and lays it open to an entrance of disease. While impure thoughts, even if not physically indulged, will soon shatter the nervous system. Strong, pure, and happy thoughts build the body up in vigor and grace. The body is a delicate and plastic instrument which responds readily to the thoughts by which it has been impressed. And habits of thought will produce in their own effect, good or bad, upon it how many people you know that are so stressed about getting sick they're always sick the people taking all the pills all the supplements but i feel like that the people out there that only eat organic are <laughs> are always <laughs> the people that are sick <laughs> somebody's gonna come find me and be like i eat organic and i'm healthy no, that was me just the other day, wasn't it? That was you the other day. I we I went to a party at my brother's house, and uh, he was he had just been sick. He had the stomach flu. He didn't tell me until I was leaving, and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to get it. And I was okay for a few days, but I was really stressed about getting sick because I hate throwing up. And James like, dude, you're just going to. You're just manifesting that. Stop. Like You're just going to get sick if you keep on thinking that. I'm like, Well, I, I feel like I'm sick. The morning of our trip, I was sick. And it just it happened. It happened, and then 
I felt better, and then I got up there camping with the, with the boys, and I was sick again that night, and I was sick pretty much for the next week, just getting over it all, but I guess there is something to it, <laughs> to bring in the sickness to your body. Your mind's pretty powerful. I mean, there was probably still sickness going around that I caught, but it didn't help to be worried about it. A hundred percent. There probably was a a sickness floating around, but it didn't do you any favors to add a certain amount of stress to your body, which your body's going to allocate resources to that. And all of a sudden your immune system's not going to be as strong because you're allocating a bunch of resources to your nervous system because you're stressed all the time about getting the sickness. I'm not saying if you're never stressed, you never get sick. There's a certain amount of wisdom in maybe taking care of yourself, but maybe you shouldn't go so overboard that it consumes every aspect of your life. Clean thoughts make clean habits. The so-called saint who does not wash his body is not a saint. He who has strengthened and purified his thoughts does not need to consider the malevolent microbe. Maybe. Probably still. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this one, but clean thoughts make clean habits. I mean, you're washing your body. You're, You're clean. Is there a point where you can go too far? Yeah, we know OCD people. They're too clean. They can't even live their life. And so there's a dichotomy in in that, in that aspect. But I think that if you had good, clean thoughts, well, for one, you start cleaning yourself up. Things start going a lot better. I'm a huge advocate for keeping things clean. Yeah, you do. You do feel better about your life and uh, people want to spend time with you if you don't smell you know, you're not disgusting. Like to me, I see someone that's a little disgusting and I'm like, Heesh. wide, wide berth. It's hard to have a conversation with somebody when you can barely breathe <laughs> because every breath in is like a hit of smelling salt. It's not, it's not fun. And it's not a favor for anybody. Take a shower. Clean yourself up. Brush your teeth, man. Brush your teeth. Comb your hair. Maybe put some clean clothes on. Maybe wash your clothes. That's a concept. You start doing little things like that. Start changing your mind to say, hey, I'm going to act. Maybe I'll clean myself up. I'm going to clean my house up a little bit. I'm going to get a few things in order. All of a sudden, people want to be around you. High quality People want to be around you. People want to come into your house. They want to have relationships with you where you can open your mind. Maybe you're a single dude or a single woman and you're disgusting and you can't figure out why somebody won't marry you or won't date you or won't give you a second look. There's a thought. Maybe if you showered more than once every other week, somebody would want to think about living with you. It's a thought. But no, going back, 
Is working out useful? Yes. I think everybody should be doing some sort of physical exercise. A hundred percent. Not only in here, he's, he's talking about just operations of the mind, you know, building your body, getting strong. When you go in and you build and you do some sort of exercise, talking to a guy this morning, he's telling me, I come in and I work out every morning and he does. He's pretty, pretty consistent. He's like, I like to pay the price of pain early in the morning. He's like, because my day goes better. He's like, I feel like that there's a, a little bit of maybe a law of the universe that if I pay pain now, hopefully karma lets it so I don't have to pay it later when I'm at my actual job. So I'm going to go in willingly and I'm going to willingly suffer for an hour. But your mind changes. My day goes 10 times better when I get up, I get out of bed, and I go work. Go work hard. Go do something that's hard. I don't know what it is. I don't know the science behind it. Go listen to Andrew Huberman. He'll probably tell you exactly what the science is around it. I just know from personal experience. My life is better when I struggle early and willingly. No, I think that's true. Um, the getting up part, when I do, when I wake up, when I said, hey, I'm going to wake up, you're, you're telling the truth to yourself. You're, you're doing what is right, and you feel good. You're like, hey, I am not garbage because I did what I said I was going to do. How hard is it? to wake up early the next morning after you've willingly done it the morning before. For me, it's easier because I'm strengthening my mind. I'm telling myself I'm going to do this, and then I do it. And the next morning, it's like, well, you're a little stronger, so this shouldn't be as big of a problem. And you get up and you go do it. And week after week after week of doing this, pretty soon it's automatic. It's easy. Yeah, it's usually the first, I don't know, a couple weeks for me anyway before it gets real standards. Like, yeah, I wake up at this time. Your internal clock. Holy cow, have I slacked. Just like pushing the snooze, snooze, snooze until it's 7.40 and I got to be work at 8. Like, don't get breakfast. You don't. You know, you don't have proper time to take care of yourself and then before you have to run out to work. Your morning goes better. Your day goes better. Maybe because you made the choice to do something hard, you got up earlier than you needed to. Maybe it even started the night before. Maybe you went to bed earlier than you needed to because you're going to prepare for the morning. You know you got to have a certain amount of sleep at night. So maybe it's that that discipline. I'm going to go to bed early so I can get up early so that when I get up early, I have time to maybe work out. Maybe you go get a good breakfast in. Maybe you have a few moments to sit with you, your wife, or your husband, or yourself. You got a cup of coffee, and you're pondering life. Maybe you're thinking about things. You're putting things in your mind that you can think about through the day instead of, 
I got 20 minutes to be to work. The drive is 10. I get no breakfast. I'm going to throw a hat on so I don't have to comb my hair. I'm going to kind of brush my teeth, maybe even just pop in some gum. I forgot to put laundry in last night, so I got to wear dirty clothes. It's like this perpetual motion of just like, I'm going to sacrifice every, it's a way of life. And it's easier when you start with little things. You start in the morning, your day goes better. You make your bed, you put your laundry in, you feed yourself, you work out, you get to work, you're already prepared for it. People around you notice, maybe they start to step up because you've stepped up. You accomplish more, your day flies by, and you're happier. It's something like it's something like that, and something definitely I can say from personal experience. Maybe I can't talk about personal experience in the sense of a massive amount of wealth. I can talk about personal experience from a fitness standpoint, and definitely from a standpoint of getting up early and doing work. It's incredible. Yeah, I I owe it to the the ones I lead in at work. It's like I owe it to be there on time and to have a good attitude to help show them what they can do better. Well, also just to help them have a good day as well because nothing's worse than someone that's just grumpy and doesn't want to be there and just mad about everything. But I need to be there before them. I've slacked so much where they're there before me a lot of times. It's like, it's not somebody you can look up to very good. It's like, come on, man. I was here first and you're supposed to be in charge of us. It's not a good leader. And you do owe it to them, but you also owe it to your family. You owe it to your friends. You owe it to everybody that even the slightest aspect of influence in their life. You owe it to be better because maybe it can change. It can help them see a different way to change. Back to the book. Until thought is linked with purpose, there is no intelligent accomplishment. They who have no central purpose in their life fall to easy prey to petty worries. Fears, troubles, and self-pity, all of which are indications of weakness. A man should conceive of a legitimate purpose in his heart and set out to accomplish it. He should make this purpose the centralizing point of his thoughts. It may take the form of a spiritual idea, or it may be a worldly object, according to its nature at the time being, but whichever it is, He should steadily focus his thought forces upon that object which he has set before him. He should make this purpose his supreme duty and should devote himself to its attainment, not allowing his thoughts to wander away into longings and imaginations. That idea of setting a goal. And that, that's even what a central purpose in their life. I have a goal. Whatever that that goal is. Maybe it's a goal of making money, making a million bucks. What's your goal? Maybe it's a goal of getting to heaven. 
maybe it's a goal of creating an incredible relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's a goal of doing that same relationship to your kids. Whatever that that goal is, build it out in your mind and you pursue it relentlessly. Not trading what you want now and sacrificing it in the future. Maybe it's something as as easy as a trip with your kids. I want it, but I I, kind of want this coffee right now. I know I'm saving for it. I'll I'll deal with it later. I'm going to sacrifice that later. Maybe it's I want to lose some weight. Let's pursue it relentlessly. That It's that same saying, radical change takes radical change. Starts in your mind, though, and it takes you changing your thoughts. That's the very first process. That's what this whole book is about. Change your thoughts, link it to a purpose, and then you can accomplish that goal no matter what it is. Is one of the... Is that idea kind of work with the idea of uh, sacrificing here on earth and being miserable so you can be happy in heaven? It's it's the opposite of kind of what you're talking about, but also the same. I was wondering what you think thought about that. Because we've we've talked about it, and it's pretty lively and kind of entertaining about how how we will do that. We'll just be as miserable as humanly possible in the hopes that when we die, we'll be happy in heaven. I think that idea goes back to what we were talking about before. If you're miserable and things going on in your life, like I think that a lot of people use that as an excuse not to do what they're supposed to do. It's I'm miserable in whatever I'm doing. And it's so that I can, go to heaven or I can reach this this goal. And it's a lie. I don't believe that being miserable here is going to make you a better person later. I believe going through something hard that maybe could potentially make you miserable and you figure out how to change your mind to something saying, I'm not going to let it make me miserable. That's an attitude change. I'm going to figure out how to make it better. Yeah, life is hard. Good. Because if you're miserable, because something in your life is going hard, maybe it's revealing something about you. And maybe you should take an honest look at you and your life. It's not going to get you to heaven. I'm sorry. I don't believe that. Like trials and suffering are not the same as misery. But even trials and suffering, they're there simply to to show you something. Maybe take a look at them and stop running from them. Maybe you've got to change who you are a little bit. Let some of the dead wood burn off. Maybe your ego is so far in the way that that's why you're miserable. Newsflash, your ego doesn't get you to heaven. If that's what your goal is, your ego doesn't get you rich. It might for a time, but it doesn't make things better. So no, being miserable here so you can be happy later isn't true. That's my thought. Yeah, I agree.
because even the man that maybe you could say, oh, he's miserable because he's saving all of his money and he's putting money away because he's preparing for a future that could be better and he's trading what he wants later or trading what he wants now for something he wants later. He's he's pushing off that gratification. He's delaying it. I don't believe that that man's miserable. I've never seen a miserable man that says, no, I'm preparing for a better future because he's got a purpose and a goal. I only see miserable people when they say, yeah, I'm preparing something for the future, but I'm going to make my life hell here. If your life is hell, it's your fault. I'm sorry. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I definitely want to impress that the thought or the idea that being alive and struggling and going through things to be better for later on, you know, that'll help later on, but it's not, that's not misery. That's not being miserable. At least in my mind, it's, it's the suffering and the, the trials. And if you can go through them and learn from them, it's just, it's all for your benefit. It's all good. As the physically weak man can make himself strong by careful and patient training. So the man of weak thoughts can make them strong by exercising himself in right thinking. This idea that you're saying of making your miserable people, saying I'm just going to remain miserable. Maybe you need to exercise yourself in a different thought process. When you truly start putting it all back on your shoulders and you go, oh, I'm going to exercise myself, but sometimes they make me mad. Yeah, that's on you. You stumble and you stumble and fall. That's fine. You stumble and fell. The problem isn't stumble and falling. The problem is not getting back up. The problem is being okay with being down in the dirt and miserable and then dragging everybody else around you down too. Back to this accomplishing a goal. Thoughts of doubt and fear never accomplish anything. They never can. They always lead to failure. Purpose, energy, power to do, and all strong thoughts cease when doubts and fears creep in. All that a man achieves and all he fails to achieve is a direct result of his own thoughts. Individual responsibility must be absolute. A man's weakness and strength, purity and impurity, are his own, and not another man's. They are brought about by himself and not by another, and they can only be altered by himself, never by another. A strong man can't help somebody who's not willing to be helped. Even the weak man that might be willing to be helped has to make himself strong before anybody else can even begin to help him. You can't help anybody if you're weak for one, and you can't help a weak person if they don't want to be helped. They'll end up dragging you down into the depths with them. And do you think that you're so strong and so smart that that won't happen to you? Very possibly could. One of the things that the one helping is is doing is just planting that seed into the weak man's mind. You know, if he's willing to at least try to start, if someone that has these ideas and the strong man, I guess I should say, just plants that little seed, that idea into his mind, 
then you got somewhere to go. I've had I've had that happen to me so many times. All it takes is the seed. And that's probably the best thing that you can do for someone is is planting that little seed and helping them change that thought. And the rest is them. I mean, even even that seed being planted it requires them to listen. You want to achieve something special. You want to change who you are. It says, it says in here, there can be no process, no achievement without sacrifice. And I want to get into that word sacrifice because it says here, he who would accomplish little must sacrifice little. He who would achieve much must sacrifice much. And he who would attain highly must sacrifice greatly. I want to go into this idea of sacrifice. What do you think sacrifice means to you? To give up something that you want. That's kind of the, I don't know if that would be the definition, but it seems like. That is one of the definitions of them. But another definition of sacrifice, the word comes from two Latin words. One meaning holy and sacred, and one meaning to make. To sacrifice means to make something holy. Holy is to set like set something apart as sacred. Make something important. He who would accomplish little must sacrifice little. Or if you want something great, you have to sacrifice something great. Maybe it's you don't just have to give up everything in your life. Maybe you need to start making things important and holy. Maybe it's that that thing that comes from God that is holy is the most important thing. So maybe you need to start making things important. Burning off that which isn't important, that's not holy, that's not sacred. You want to accomplish something special? Maybe it's, I'm going to sacrifice much. It's not, I'm just going to give everything away. It's, I'm going to start making things holy and important in my life. Making yourself holy? Making yourself holy, which you should be. I mean, because even even diving into the spiritual side of it, you have a touch of the divine in you. You already are sacred. You're a life, a human life. That's pretty That's pretty sacred. That's pretty holy. Maybe you should start take, making it important. Maybe you should start focusing on it a little bit. Back to the book. The dreamers, and, the dreamers are the saviors of the world. He who cherishes a beautiful vision, a lofty ideal in his heart will one day realize it. The greatest achievement was at first and for a time the dream. You got to think it up. You got to dream it. And if you dream it and you pursue it in a straight line with relentless devotion, you can accomplish whatever that you want to achieve. This is how to make your life a little bit better because that's the only person that really can help yourself is you. No, it's always good to... Uh, to study this kind of stuff again and to remember and reread and go over and communicate these ideas. They're really helpful. That's the end of the book. But it feels like it's just the start of something else. You know, think about things a little bit more, driving ideas into your mind, opening pathways that I shouldn't say that you didn't think were there, but more that you kind of forgot. Where can people find you guys? 
on the socials. If they want to follow you, they want to find anything else about you. Maybe they want to follow you, Andy. They want to see some cool things that you're creating. Maybe they want to follow you, Jerem, see pictures of cool trucks, the big trucks you're driving, the other things that you're doing. I don't post a lot, but at Jerem Naylor on Instagram. And you're at Andy Nielsen. I don't really have anything on there. Not really much of a social media guy. And my Instagram is the real James Nielsen. You're mostly going to see things about my kids or workout videos. Maybe get a uh, a notification when we drop a new podcast. If you like this podcast, share it. Yeah, go ahead. Throw it up on your your Instagram story. It's a lot of good information, but uh, when you get this information, what are you going to do with it? Well, that's the key. Are you going to sit on it or are you going to take action? And to everybody out there listening, remember, your life is your own. Your thoughts, actions create the consequences and circumstances that you are in today. If you're not where you want to be, you have the potential to change it. It takes a thought to start, an action that follows. That action will change into habits. Those habits will change into they'll change into your character. And maybe that will affect your life, your family's life. It can go on to affect your community's life and your country's. And maybe with one small thought, you can change the world. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.